Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome, folks. Welcome to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I am very excited about today's podcast. It's going to be, uh, I, have a, I have a great feeling about it. Um, you know, there's people that you meet in life and there's people that you meet in life. And this person that I'm about to introduce you to is someone who we haven't actually physically met, but I feel like uh, on a soul level, we, we resonate. We've met at that soul level. And I'm so excited. I wanted to bring her on because um, I'm going to be speaking. The first event I'm speaking at next year in 2024 is, is a very, 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 very special event. I speak at a lot of events around the world, folks. I've spoken at a lot of events. Um, but for some reason, and I think I'm going to find out why myself, I'm really excited about this event. It's called Align 2024. Um, the woman I'm going to introduce you today is uh, the founder of Align. She's a speaker. She's an entrepreneur. She's a coach, an all-round amazing woman. But she's bringing, I think, what really impressed me and touched me that was different about other events that I speak at is she's bringing such a a heart, a frequency, a vibration, an intentionality, uh, a level of excellence, care, and such love to the event that before I even uh, have set foot in the space, my heart is touched. And so you can imagine if I'm feeling that way, you can imagine what the event's going to be like. So I thought, wow, I want to I want to get this woman on because she also has an incredible story and I want her to share some of her story with you uh, but uh, if any of you are ready for the next level of your life, and as you listen to this, getting ready for 2024, um, I want to invite you to to join me. Come hear me speak. I'm going to be speaking with some amazing folks. We'll share a bit about the event, but there, there are some amazing folks speaking at Align 2024. She'll share a bit about it as well. But it is going to, I have a feeling it's just going to light your year on fire. So <laughs> aligneventslive.com, go there, sign up see me there, see amazing folks there. But uh, one of, also one of the reasons I wanted to have her on that really impressed me that I was personally curious about folks is, check this, she's an entrepreneur. She's a wife. She's a businesswoman. But she's a mother of six. Let me repeat, six, not one, two. Like, I just had a kid and I'm a father of one. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's turned my life inside out in the best way possible. When she told me she was a mother of six, I thought, holy mackerel, like a mother of six. I, I personally want to get her on the show and uh, sort of dig into her mind and find out how she manages it all. So welcome, Brooke Hemingway. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited for this conversation and for this deep dive. I've been looking forward to this and uh, I just felt honored to be here. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you, really. Like everything I said is so true. Just the intention with which you're putting Align 2024 together. And uh, 
I, it has me excited to come and speak as a speaker. So uh, it's a blessing. It's, real, it's a real blessing that you invited me. I know it's going to be a real blessing for everyone that attends. So I want like, tell me a bit, like, what's your story? How, how did you get into the space of coaching and speaking and impacting people? Like, what, what was that journey? Like, I'm always curious about what started people's journey and, and how people got to where they are. Yeah. So actually, I never would have pictured myself doing this at all. I really am equal parts logic and also passion and dream. And I had a lot of dreams growing up, like most people. One of my dreams was to sing. And I actually wanted to sing on Broadway. I have a love affair with music. And it's because music moves you, right? There's that energy, that's that vibration, that feeling. And so Growing up in a house where my parents did love us, but they had their issues and my parents divorced when I was a teenager and my dad was unstable in a lot of ways. I really dove into music as a way to kind of heal me and a way to feel things. And I wanted to be a performer because I wanted to help people feel something. Uh, that like if I could describe it in the simplest way is I, I wanted to help people feel something. And so I didn't know fast forward. I'm 45 now. That was back when I was like 15, you know, 30 years later, I would say that with events and coaching, what I want to do is I want to wake people up and I want to help them to feel something. And so there I was as a teenager wanting to do that. But when I was 19, I decided that I would never be good enough to do that. And so I quit pursuing music and I did something that was more practical, more reasonable, something that, you know, society or tradition would look at as being like, hey, this is a good thing that would be acceptable because one day you're probably going to want to be a mom. Mm. So I got a degree in kinesiology. I worked in fitness, health and wellness. I taught classes. And I now know looking back that one of the reasons why I like to do that is because I wanted to inspire inspire people to take care of themselves and love themselves and not give up on themselves because I was so influenced by my dad giving up on his life. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a long time. And then I was like, okay, this is, I, this is really not an actual career. So I went back to school. I became a nurse. I was an ICU nurse for 10 years, hated wow. it. Shout out to all the nurses. I mean, mad respect, but That's it awesome. definitely was, it was not meant for me. I mm -hmm. appreciate that season in my life. But I finally had the good sense when I was pregnant with number five to walk away from that because it was literally just killing me. It just was not for me. And uh, I walked away from that, not having anything else in store that I was going to do. I never had some master plan that I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to speak and I'm going to do events. This was eight years ago, but I had throughout my entire life struggled with anxiety and depression a lot. And it's in my family history. It's a part of my father's history when he was alive. And I just thought that that's what I was destined for. I thought that that was always going to be my story was that I was broken and sad and depressed and you know, life was hard. Marriage was hard. Having kids was hard. Like everything is hard. And so, you know, eight years ago, I went on a journey of finding natural solutions to get healthy, to help with my depression, my anxiety. I found natural solutions that helps me to wake up physically, emotionally, to feel my best. And through that experience, I started a business and I started this business really with no entrepreneurial experience no social marketing or any kind of experience of that sort, but a lot of hunger and desire. And it was the hunger and desire that led me to build a seven figure business in about two years. Mm -hmm. And I did that from home on Kauai where we were living full time with five kids, ages nine and under. 
My husband was gone 80 hours a week working. He was working all the time. I was homeschooling the kids, but there was something inside of me that was like, you need to run. You need to go. You need to do this and you need to do it hard. It was like that. I couldn't pussyfoot around and like just one toe in and one toe out. And so I was all in and I I grew from 150 Facebook friends to, uh, you know, 15,000. And I don't have a huge uh, Instagram following, but I finally got on Instagram and I grew this business. And I found that through the process of supporting people and building teams and being in leadership that I loved seeing people succeed. I loved seeing people change their identity, what they thought about themselves, what they thought was capable for themselves. I was like addicted to seeing people succeed and change. And that's how I stepped into coaching. That's how I stepped into speaking. And I, there's a bigger story behind the event, but ultimately that's what led me to coaching and mentoring people and wanting to bring people together into communities where they could experience change because of the massive shift that had happened in my life. So here we are. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm curious. You said you found some natural solutions to deal with anxiety. Could you share a bit more in depth about that? Because I know there might be some folks listening that are dealing with anxiety. So I'm curious, what were the natural solutions and what can people do who are dealing with anxiety? I mean, honestly, if you were to get myself and and my husband, Thomas, who's an integrative medicine doctor in a room, you know, we would say that food is medicine and what you put in your body is absolutely medicine. You're not a garbage disposal, so you can't put garbage into your body. Mm. So it was a combination of really a lot of things that are not, you know, mystical or magical, but a lot of lifestyle things, you know, daily movements, sunshine, actually eating real foods, removing processed foods from my diet or things that were toxic or chemical. It was also really working on my gut health. I started to be one of these people that took handfuls of supplements that I used to make fun of because through traditional education, all of my professors made fun of that stuff. And so I was very close to it, but something again, possessed me to like, Hey, take a look, try something different. Don't be so Western, like do, do more of the Eastern stuff. Like look for Mm -hmm. the, uh, the natural things like supplements and food and movement and yoga and breathing and all of those things that can help your body to heal from the inside out. And so that's what I did. Um, And I know people want a magic pill and a quick solution, but it was really a process of gradual elimination and gradually adding in the things that would support my body. It wasn't like there was one magic bullet pill. It was all of these things combined. I think a combination. The, the, The lifestyle. Yeah, it's a combination. And I had already been doing a lot of things. I had already been exercising that had been a part of my life for a long time. But it was for me, it was adding in a lot of supplemental support. Like that was that was like the final little key because I had a lot of things right. And once I got into me what I needed to fill in the gaps or in Hawaii, we say the pukas. Like I was just filling in the pukas and filling in the pukas. It's like my body sort of came to life and it was starving mm-hmm. for specific things that it was lacking in. And so that, that was a key, but it's never just one thing. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, that it's yeah. always a combination. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, how was it in the beginning? You know, I think there's, there's folks listening that also maybe have a vision or a dream to start a business uh, in terms of entrepreneur. Um, how did you, I guess, how did you know which specific direction to go in, in terms of coaching and speaking? Because there's so, it, it can be so broad. How did you narrow down into, okay, this is kind of what I'm going to focus on. And yeah. 
in the beginning stages, what were some of the key things that you can share with people that folks who are in the beginning stages of their entrepreneurial journey, what can they do in the beginning stages to, to build? I think the first thing is just to have trust and to be open. I didn't know what I was doing. I I used Google. I wow. I was literally <laughs> on YouTube. I was on Google. I was learning what I was passionate about. And initially it was really about health. And it was about, you know, helping to improve your health because on that foundational level, this is the vessel or the vehicle in which you experience life. Mm-hmm. And I I think sometimes we over spiritualize things and we think, well, you just need to meditate more pray more or you just need to and it's like well no like if you think about humanitarian work for example what's the first thing they do for people they feed them they put a roof over their heads they take care of their physical body and so to me it started with coaching people on how to take care of your physical body because from the physical you're going to develop emotions and from the emotions you're going to either have a spiritual connection or not so if the physical is broken like that's number one and so i was really passionate about coaching about that. And so I just kind of followed that passion and my past mm-hmm. in these other fields kind of led me to that, but I wasn't married to that. That was the only thing that I could do. And I just would say to anyone listening, like remain open and listen to the nudge, because if you start coaching in one area, like say for me, like I'm a mom, right? I, in the beginning, it was like juggling motherhood, juggling kids, like literally feeding baby cookie feeding babies, cooking dinner, leading a call, like all these things at the same time. I have these vibrant pictures of me like over the stoves during the dinner, nursing a baby and on the earbuds, like talking somebody through something. And I was like, you know what? I'm just following the nudge. I don't know what I'm doing, but I don't have how greed. I don't need to know how. I don't need to know exactly like what this is supposed to look like. If it feels right, I'm going to follow that. And then that led, of course, into what I was confronted with in building teams and leading lots of people was all of their limiting beliefs, all of their fears, all of their doubts, these ways in which they related to themselves. And I was like, okay, health is cool. Awesome. That's foundational. But then we have to get into their hearts. We have to get into their souls and we have have to do a little bit of surgery here because I can get them healthy physically, but if I can't get them healthy in their heart and their mind, they're never going to break through. They're never going to break the old patterns and they're never going to have the level of success that they are created to have. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept following that nudge. I got one coaching certification, which was great. And I don't necessarily think you have to have a certification. I think it's a a great business model for coaching Mm -hmm. schools, if I'm honest, but I, you know, I, I got a coaching certification. I did that for a while. And then I got another one and I'm just, I love learning. Like if you're trying to build a business, you're trying to be a coach, like follow what the natural path and the natural Mm -hmm. market is for you, Mm -hmm. but then also be open to shifting directions and the type of coach you are and continue to learn and grow and, you know, go to more events, you know, read more books. Like you're allowed to evolve as a coach as well. Mm. What was, was there a moment where things took off? Was there a key to things like taking off? Because there's lots of folks that have been coaching for maybe listening to this and they're like, shit, Brooke, I've been coaching for, for, for years and I'm broke. You know, there's a lot of broke coaches who aren't successful, but genuinely they have a sincere desire to make a difference. They really yeah. care. They really have skills. They really add value. And so I'm curious for you, like, what, what was the key? What can well, you say I to think- that person? What, 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 what are they not doing? 
I think the main thing that I see, honestly, in any kind of business where there's like a stale or people aren't growing is you're not, you haven't expanded your network and your reach and grown your influence enough. And and I am allowed to say that because I didn't have influence and I didn't have a network. I, I had 150 Facebook friends, no Instagram, no Facebook. And so while I was not somebody that absolutely loved social media, in fact, I had a bit of an aversion to it. I didn't like the fakeness and all the perfection yeah. that I saw. I had this moment, sort of like this come to Jesus moment. I remember I was sitting outside of my house here in Hawaii and it was like, get over yourself. Like you have to get on social media. You have to grow your network. You have to grow your influence. You have to grow your audience because if you don't do that, you don't have clients. There aren't people that you can help. And so I know there's things you don't want to do, but I actually think if you're listening to this and your business is struggling or you're not getting clients or you're not getting customers, you probably know what it is. You just don't want to do it. And you're going to have to have that moment where you get real, real with yourself. And you're like, listen, Social media is not the devil or whatever it is, email lists, whatever. It's not the devil. Like it's just a tool. It's a tool that if I use it in a beautiful way, I can impact a lot of people. And so I really dove into like building my social media, getting in rooms, going to lots of events, personal growth and development conferences, coaching summits, like all of these different things. And I also grew my social selling business. I had a social selling business for a lot of years. And I know a lot of people don't want to do that, but I look at it and I see it as being wisdom. I see like, okay, I did something else as well that helped to open up my network. And that might not not be everybody's thing, but there are so many ways that you can open up your network because you've got a skill, you've got a talent, you've got a passion in coaching, but if you don't have the eyeballs on what you're doing, it's not going to work. And so what can you attach yourself to, or what can you pour into that's going to help you to grow your network so that you can grow your influence? Beautiful. I'm curious now. Six kids. (laughs) Yes. Six kids. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, right? That's six. single birth. All, 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 single. all single birth. All single. You gave birth. I did. You gave birth. All it came of out of me. Okay, yes, all they came all out six of me. came out of you. They that alone is a miracle. <laughs> that alone is like mind blowing. You know, when I heard that, because I remember, folks, for, if you're listening, I, she, uh, Brooke interviewed me on her podcast uh, uh-huh. a while back. And she, at the end, when we were done, we wrapped the podcast and she said, I have six kids, but I'm like, you're my hero. That was it. It's like everything changed for me. So I want to know, number one, I'm going to throw a bunch of questions. Did you plan to have six kids? Yeah. And how the hell do you balance everything, right? For, <laughs> for those that for those that are parents, for those that aren't parents wondering what it's like. So yeah. did you plan? How do you balance? How do you actually literally balance it all? And what is it like in reality? Yeah. So interesting story. I actually was never baby hungry. I was not that person that was like, I want to get married young and have a bunch of kids and ride off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are that way and they don't heal that wound and, and they don't get past that. And thankfully I, you know, have my wonderful husband that's a safe space and he is, you know, the perfect masculine match for me and he is loyal and he's faithful and he's all those things. So I had the freedom to be able to feel safe, even though that's not what I experienced growing up. However, because of what I experienced, 
realized my interpretation was that motherhood is hard, marriage is hard, life is hard. And so having a family didn't actually look really attractive to me. So we got married. We were really young. We were married for eight years. We didn't have any kids for eight years. We were not like baby hungry, like I said. And then what it really came down to is we started to decide what did we want our future future to look like and what was the vision for what we wanted to create together in life. And we decided that we wanted to create together a family that we loved the idea of family and, you know, why not now? And so it was kind of just a logical decision. Okay, let's have kids. Never thought I would have six. I had a vision one time of four, four boys. So I had four boys and I was like, cool, I'm done. Had massive postpartum depression. Then I had an experience um, shortly, you know, a couple of years later that was like, there's, there's somebody else, like there's somebody else. And I, you know, I was able to convince my husband and we had a baby girl and then we had another one. And so, no, I, the answer is no, I never intended to have six kids. In fact, after I had one, I loved that child so much, like, and you know, this, cause you're a dad, like I thought to myself, how can I possibly wow. love? Wow. Yep another child as much as this, like, I can't do it. And it's just so like, I feel like me having six kids has, has been a superpower in my business because it's helped me to learn how to expand my capacity to love with each child. I was like, I can love more. I can take on more. I can love on more kids. Like I can love on more people. I can love on more leaders. And so it's been a journey of learning to expand my capacity to love. And that served me well in my business. But as far as what it actually looked like, I'm super honest about this. And, uh, and I know a yeah, lot how, of people How do you think, juggle it? How do you like, 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 give me like, how do you wake up? What time do you wake up? Uh, you know, how do you eat? How do you all eat? How do you exercise? I, I want like, I want the nitty gritty. Well, it's like different throughout the years, right? The first five years, it was legitimately me. I wasn't a single parent, but I was pretty much operating as such with five kids because mm. Thomas was gone all the time. He was working at three different hospitals. And I also homeschooled our kids because wow. schools are not great here in Hawaii. And yeah. so I was burning the midnight oil or I was getting up early and I was, you know, in between tasks with the kids, like getting on the computer and answering messages, writing emails, writing social content. Like it was a mess in the most beautiful, sanctified, holy way. Like I got to say it that way because it was like I was possessed with this otherworldly energy to go and to do it. And there were a lot of reasons why, but it was a mess. I would get up early. I'd get up at like 5 a.m. I'd work a couple hours before the kids would get up, you know, get them up. Maybe I'd be up all night nursing a baby. Some nights I would stay up really late and I would get work done. You know, some, some days I'd set the kids aside and be like, okay, here's your toys play right next to me. And I'm going to be here at the computer doing my work. And so they were always around me and they always saw this. And I just, I think the biggest thing that worked in my favor, if I'm honest, is that I didn't feel bad for myself. I didn't victimize myself. I didn't make my kids a victim because a lot of parents, especially women, they victimize their children. And they're like, oh my gosh, my poor kids. Oh, those poor kids are suffering because mom is working. And the way that I have really come to see it and see how, as my kids have grown, is that my children are benefactors of my success. They have grown and learned and been blessed in so many ways, not just the finances to our family, but the kind of person that I am, the resiliency, the opportunities they've had. My two oldest, 17 and 15, in college already. 
and pursuing the things that they're passionate about. Because I became an entrepreneur, we think differently. Our kids don't have to follow a traditional path. And so I look at it and I think for any of you that are holding a massive amount of guilt and shame around working and having a family is I want you to start thinking about how this is actually optimal for your family, how you're actually giving your kids a leg up, how you're showing them a different way to live because they don't think anything like normal people and they don't have the same limitations. And very early on, when my kids would complain and I'm alone, I mean, picture this 10 kids or five kids, 10 and under, right? (laughs) They would maybe complain about something. I decided not to take that on. And not to wear that as I'm a bad mom. I decided, you know what? It's good for you to learn how to do the dishes. It's good for you to learn how to fold your clothes. Mm -hmm. It's good for your kids to learn these skills, to be independent and to be part of a team. And we would very often talk about the why. This is why I'm doing it. This is what it's for. And, And so them learning, you know, sometimes in life, you have to sacrifice for something greater and so it was a it was a complete juggling act and it was a release and surrender of control. Like, for example, I didn't load the dishwasher anymore and I really didn't like the way that my son loaded the dishwasher, but I was like, whatever, it's done. 70% as good as I could do it. And so <laughs> it's also for a lot of people releasing like the house looking perfect, yeah. you know, everything looking just so put together and tied up with a bow. I was like, screw it. Like, I can't do that. And as I tried to do that, I was losing myself. And so I just had to let it go. And I had to accept help both from my family, from my kids, and just not be the person that did it all. Beautiful. What, what's, what's um, from what you've learned from your lived experience, especially for those that either are parents, want to be parents, what would you, what is something that you feel makes a good parent? And and what is something you've learned about raising? I mean, you've started sharing some of it, but what's something you've learned about raising like a truly healthy healthy child? Like what what's something that you learned? Just just maybe it's not written about in the books, but it's yeah. just from your real because you know there's so many freaking books. Do this, do that, <laughs> da da da, blah blah blah. I know they'll you know talk talk talk, but every child is different, and so I'm curious. Yes. Just what have you learned? Like like what advice? especially, you know, it's not easy yeah. to raise kids in today's world. It's just <laughs> a crazy world, do you know, and the, the pandemic yes. the last few years. So yes. how, how can we raise healthy Oh, children? wow. I love talking about this and I'm going to have to keep, try to keep it short. Oh, oh, um, I think that what we think is important is not important. First mm. of all, tell I me, think that, yeah, I think that the most important thing, and my mom taught me this even back before I had a career and I felt guilty that I wasn't a good enough mom. She said, do your kids know when they go to bed that you love them? And I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, then you're doing a great job. And so I always make sure that before my kids go to bed, even my 17 year old, like it, I hug and kiss them. They know I love them. I spend that time first thing in the morning and before they go to bed. And it's the simplest thing. It's the showing of affection. It's the words. It's the, you know, being present in the moments to show that you love them. And that is number one. The second thing that I think our kids really need nowadays, because you brought it up, you said it is a different world. It is an interesting world. And I don't think that the Betty Crocker mold is actually what our kids need. Mm. I don't think our kids need a perfect house, a perfect dinner, everything clean, a homeroom mom all the time. Now, if you're a homeroom mom, 
nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. But what I think our kids need more than anything now is they need to see courage. They need to see courage modeled. They need to see bravery. They need to see their parents stepping out and doing things scared because they are in a different kind of world where if they don't have courage and they don't have bravery, they're not going to survive. They need examples of parents who know who they are, who stand up for what they believe in and who show up in the arena. Like, I just don't think we have the luxury of just giving our kids a nice life and a beautiful life and everything is pretty. I think they need to also see us struggle and try Mm -hmm. and go after things. And they, they learn that from us. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you tell your kids. It matters what you do. I mean, that's number three is be the example. If you're going to tell your kids, you can chase your dreams. You can do hard things. I believe in you. They literally are not going to believe you because they have the best BS filter out there. Mm-hmm. Like kids have the most amazing BS filter and they can tell if you're happy. Mm-hmm. They can tell if you're fulfilled. They can tell if you're playing small. And so I have made mm-hmm. it like my personal mission to keep doing things that are scary because I want my kids to see mm-hmm. that they can also do things that are scary. I think um, the last thing I would say is um, teaching your kids to be curious and to ask questions and to question norms mm-hmm. um, of you know what everyone says they should do and what everyone says they should be. And I think a little bit of a spirit of rebellion is good. And I think sometimes when we're raising kids, it drives us nuts. And mm-hmm. my oldest, I mean, I love him to pieces, but that kid, he puts me through the ringer with questions like <laughs> all, all the time. And sometimes it's like at 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, does he have to ask this question <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night? You know? Give an example of what he might ask. Uh, he, he asked me really deep questions. He asked me questions about like God, you know, is God uh, real? And if God was yeah. real, why do people suffer? And, oh, yeah. you know, like these like deep, really deep, deep, deep questions that you can't just give like a one word answer to that sometimes require for me to slow down mm-hmm. and just like be present in that moment and realize, okay, he's asking me a question. This mm-hmm. is good. And, and it's like parenting is this never ending, like just giving and patience and submission to what your kids need. So I just think allowing them to ask questions and what goes along with that as well is do not show in your face that you're shocked mm. or that you're disappointed. Like don't react to your kids. It's been the most beautiful thing. And we've had some really wow. beautiful, deep discussions because I have learned to master the art probably through coaching of just letting him talk and asking a question and letting him like speak freely. And I'm like, why, I don't ever say, why would you think that? Or what would make you think that? Like I let him express and I just, that keeps him more open. Like to the parents out there that are afraid of what their kids are going (laughs) to say or ask is like, don't be afraid of it. The fact that they're talking to you Mm -hmm. is good. Yeah, You want them talking to you. So I, I think that with parenting, um, and then maybe I can say one more thing. Yeah, is, go for it. Um, your kids should not be ruling your life. Mm. You know, it, it's really important that we love our children, but it's also important that our children see us as human. We are human beings as well. And I often think about this, Coot. I'm like, honestly, I was just born before my son, like 29 years before him. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. in the big scheme of things and in eternity, like, I was just born before him, but one day we're both going to be adults 
And we're really going to be just two humans. And I am his mother and he is my son, but I'm a human too. And when we don't have any standards and we don't take care of ourselves and we don't at all do the thing that's on our heart, we are literally surrendering everything to our kids, but not in a healthy way. Mm. It's in a martyrdom way. Mm. And you do not have to be a martyr to be a great parent. You need to be an example. You need to be a model. Like that's what your kids need. Nice. Beautiful. Um, I'm curious. How, and, and again, I think there might be a lot of women out there that wonder if they can have it all and kids, but maybe even more so like business entrepreneur and relationship. And so I'm curious, like you got business, relate marriage, 20 some years, 26 years, which is a lifetime and six kids. And so how do you juggle now? I guess your marriage in in all of this. And, and as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as an entrepreneur, how do you, how do you keep your marriage alive? How do you keep, you know, I think this is a fear that a lot of people have some of us, you know, especially some women might have this unconsciously and this might be something that blocks people. But I think maybe women from really like going for it because they're afraid of, I don't know if I can have this and that. And so how, how do you manage to keep your marriage alive? Great question. And I will start out by saying that you can have it all without losing it all. Mm. However, it might look different than you thought it would look. So that's also accepting that, like, what does that even mean? And do I have this picture of what having it all looks like? And maybe it looks a little bit different. And so Mm. being open to that, having it all doesn't mean having everything perfect and everything look exactly like I would say I absolutely have it all. I have a great loving relationship with my husband. I have kids that are for the most part, like they're doing awesome. I have this career and make great money and have the flexibility and freedom to live all over, but it doesn't look like what I thought it was supposed to look like. I thought it was supposed to look different. And I put all this pressure on myself to be perfect. Mm. And so to segue into like marriage and relationship, Um, I mean that a lot of people look at us and they think, oh my gosh, you guys love each other so much. And Mm. you're just like, you can tell that it's genuine and you really, really care about each other. I think that, you know, it, it's always been that we've been committed to each other and commitment has, has been the thing that has like definitely been the glue that kept us together. We're committed. We know we're building something together. We know we're growing something together. However, when I started in entrepreneurship, yes, a lot of those fears came up and they also came up for him. Hmm. And what I noticed from him is that sometimes he would act angry or he would lash out at me or he would say things that were kind of passive aggressive, right? Anybody listening, maybe you've experienced this with your partner and you're like, I'm just living my dream. I'm just trying to do what I think I'm supposed to do. And here's what I see a lot of people do that makes it turn south is they get angry in return. They lash back out, they fight. And there was something inside of me that just said, just be patient with him. Just Mm -hmm. be patient. This is hard. Like 
life has, you know, he's always been the one that worked and provided and, and now you're out earning him times three and then times four. And like, you know, this feels a little bit scary to him. This feels threatening and, and things are changing and dynamics are a little bit different and the house isn't perfectly clean. And he's not at all a chauvinist pig, you guys. And, and your man is not, if, if he, or your woman is not, if they're reacting in this way, they're just triggered. And so if you can take a step back and recognize they're triggered, I'm going to be patient, but I'm also going to stand in my truth. And that's what I did is like, I didn't back down and stop growing my businesses and stop going for it. But when he would be upset or angry, I would exhibit patience. And I would said, I would say, please be patient with me. Let's be patient. Like this is going to get better. This is going to get easier. And also saying, this is what I need help with. Like, here's the thing, Coot. We all enter into agreements, right? Unspoken agreements. And the agreement was Brooke takes care of the kids. Brooke mm. takes care of the house. Brooke makes dinner. And it's mm. not because he was a pig. It's just like, that's how we divided labor. And yeah. then I start building this huge business. I can't do all the things anymore. So mm. it's natural that someone would be like, wait a second, like the agreement's changing and there would be some adjustment. So during that period of adjustment, just like a lot of patience, a lot of communication, a lot of standing in my power and my truth and what I needed, but not in an angry way. There is a difference. Can you, can, can you maybe break down a bit more what that looks like? Yeah. In like, I would like people, especially women, because I think, you know, you're a woman doing it. And I think as yes. an example to women listening, I'm curious can you share what it look what it looks like to to exhibit the patience in the nitty gritty? Like what what the conversation looks like, what the words look like, what the energy, what 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 what's going on inside of you? Just to give yeah. a kind of yeah. example of possibility to women who are listening, yes. and to men, I mean, you know, yeah. on the reverse, but. Here's an example. It's like, you know, I was building this business and it was going really fast and it was growing and growing and growing. And he's working a ton of hours in the ER and he'd come home. Dishes are still dirty. Stuff mm. isn't cleaned up in the family room. And he might make a comment mm. and like, oh, wow. Like, mm. um, you know, what happened here or something like that. And I could be triggered and yeah. I could explode back at him. Yeah. Or I could take a deep breath, right? Stop and oxygenate, like <laughs> take a deep breath, like gather yourself a little bit because do we really need to fight over this? Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not just going to take it and be sad and resentful inside. And so I take a deep breath and I say, I don't have the ability or capacity to run my business and keep this house all together on my own. I know this is different for you, but I'm mm -hmm. going to need your help. And it's just like, you know, if you want this to be cleaned tonight, I'm going to need you to do it. And it wasn't like, I shouldn't have to do that. You're such a, like, mm. it was just like stopping breathing and saying, I can't do this anymore. I am renegotiating the agreement essentially. Like I am, I am producing, I'm bringing in a lot of money. I'm blessing our family. I'm following my passion. I'm not going to stop doing this. And it, that was also a part of the conversation that I had to stand strong in whenever I would sense, because it was more of sensing an energy. You know, you can sense that when like your partner is pissed off at you or resentful or mm -hmm. irritated, it was sensing that energy and like calling it out and mm -hmm. saying, I know this is hard for you. That's expressing empathy and compassion. Like, mm -hmm. I know this is hard for you. I know this is a change for you, but I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. 
And I know you don't so, understand. So, so, so did, did you speak to that yes. underlying, yes. like, hey, invisible yes. thing? Yes, right? yes. I, I know that this is hard for you. And also, I think there was definitely an element of I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm not going anywhere. And it was us allowing each other to see each other through different eyes. Like he got to see a totally different side of me, which at first it wasn't comfortable for him. <laughs> and he had to get used to but I could have fought back and that would have ended badly. Instead, yeah, yeah. I had the discussion stood in my truth. And I did the same thing with my kids because my kids would complain too. They were used to mom being a certain way as well. And mom wasn't going to be able to wipe their butts, like literally wipe their butts when they're five years old mm -hmm. and do everything for them in exactly the same way. And so yeah, yeah. I, when people are like, oh, your kids and your husband, they're so great. I'm like, I fought for that. Mm -hmm. I fought for that. I didn't, I didn't fight in an angry way, but I stood up and I spoke up and I was like, I know this is hard, but I'm going to need your help. Like, this is what it is. Like, I'm not stopping. I'm not supposed to stop. My call didn't come from my husband. Mm. You know, my call came from a higher power. And so I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not beholden to anybody else but that. And so I have to do it no matter how uncomfortable it is. Like these conversations, man, they're not always comfortable, but they're honest. Yeah. And you don't really have anything in a relationship unless you're honest. So I would say, mm. just be honest, but you don't have to be angry. Like yeah. just be real and call it out when you see it and take a break, step away, oxygenate, go outside, do what you got to do to not be hijacked anymore. Then come back into the conversation, take ownership for what you feel, right? Mm -hmm. Because they are your feelings and it is your interpretation. So you do have to take ownership for that, but don't back down just because it's uncomfortable because it is going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I think what's beautiful about what I'm hearing and what you're saying is, is, is you're standing in the strength of your heart and your truth and your integrity. But one thing I think is, is maybe a bit different is there's a vulnerability in what you communicated, which is, I need help. You know, I, I can't do it all. And that, that, yeah, that's a vulnerability to acknowledge, like, I can't do it all. And, and, right. and I think it sometimes takes a tremendous, a bigger strength to, to be vulnerable. You know, yeah. strength to be soft, to say, and, and I think that vulnerability, you know, it's interesting. That vulnerability is an, is, is a, because you weren't lashing out or fighting back, it, it, it provides less resistance to the male ego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which can be fragile sometimes. Right? I know. It, it I know. Less resistance. So even though like your husband or a guy might be like, what's going on? It's like. You know, there's no I'm not fight. meeting fire with fire. There's no, there's like, no fight, and I think no. that is, that is. I would love women to hear that because I think that that's that's so important. I, you know, and, yeah. and and you asking for help, like mm -hmm. I need your help. Mm -hmm. um, even you're saying, "Look, I'm going to need your help," and that request for help is also an invitation for to to the masculine to yeah. step into. It's an invitation. Right. And I think there's something when a woman invites her masculine yes. partner, that, yes. that, that, that's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I just want to acknowledge it is. And I will say, if you can have patience and empathy mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. can communicate, things will get a hundred times better. Like mm -hmm. our uh, intimacy, our communication, our relationship, our honesty, even after being married 25 years is better 
than before we had kids or, you know, early on in the kids. And I'm so glad that we went through this experience and I didn't back down and that we just stuck with it. And we figured out our new rhythm, our new agreement, but it wasn't always easy because I think our, our main behaviors that we engage in are we avoid and we disconnect. Yeah. I mean, that's what couples do all the time. They just avoid and disconnect. And when you're faced with that option, which are my two most dominant behaviors, for those of you listening, like I am great or used to be great at avoiding and disconnecting. And I knew that that was not going to work in this situation. I knew that what we had was special, that what we'd built is special. And you know what? I'm not a quitter. <laughs> so yeah. we worked, you know, we worked through it and, uh, and we prioritize each other. We travel actually a, a decent amount. We've been doing this since we were married, even before we had kids, we would take little trips, even when we were broke as a joke. And I made, you know, seven bucks an hour as a bank teller. And he's in med school. Cause we got married before all that. Wow. I married him when we had, had literally a thousand dollars between the two of us. Wow. And, uh, and so we used to take these little camping trips because that's all the money we had for. And we have continued that tradition of investing in time away mm. at least three times a year. We this is time away. away from the kids time away from the kids, we, from the kids. Okay. No, from okay. the kids. We go for nine days. Mm. Every September we go away. We've done couples retreats with other couples where we go away, but it is like, it is absolutely necessary. You can either spend the money spending time with each other, or you can spend the money on a divorce. I mean, yeah. I don't so just say that again. Uh, can you say that again? That's a quote. You can either <laughs> spend the money on each other and have some really great memories and great mm -hmm. sex, or you can spend the money on divorce. I mean, it's really up to you when people say, I don't have the money. It's like, you can't afford not to do that because before there was ever anybody else, there was you guys and you yeah, were mad yeah, about each yeah, other. Yeah. And we want to get to the end of raising our kids, which by the way, is like another 12 years. We're going to be like in our late fifties and early sixties. Cause we didn't start early. Like we want to still love each other. We want to still be passionate about each other and be interested in each other, intellectually intimate, spiritually intimate, emotionally intimate, sexually intimate, like intimacy is a lot of different kinds of intimacy, but if we don't invest that time and money, it's over. Yeah. It's yeah. over. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You've, you've shared so much. I hope everyone's listening. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm going to learn a couple things from this yeah. old married lady, right? This is beautiful. This is, I mean, look, 26 years, six kids. Uh, hey, that, that, and it's, we, it's, 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 it, it, that says everything, you know? And folks, just, just so you know, uh, I just I just met her husband uh, briefly anyway before before the conversation for a few seconds and you can tell there's a spark there there's a love there there's a there's something there that that's energetic. He's my little he's my little surfer boy you know yeah, he's yeah. he's my I met him in Hawaii he's my little surfer boy and and we still remember when we were 19 and 23 and we mm -hmm. we take care of ourselves too it's like mm -hmm. we take care of ourselves for each other. You know, we, we take care of ourselves physically, emotionally, spiritually, like we are investing in ourselves and we invest in each other. And five years ago, we just about hit a breaking point. You know, wow. that was that point where I was trying to do everything and I wasn't asking for help and I wasn't communicating mm -hmm. and I was avoiding and disconnecting and it could have gone so far the other way, but instead wow. we leaned into each other. Wow. Beautiful. Um, you shared a lot today. Uh, if there were if you were to look at your entire life and you were to think of, let's say, the three most important life lessons that you've learned, 
that if you could only share these three keys with the next generation, your children and your kids, like these three keys would evolve the consciousness of the next generation the most. I'd love to hear your three wisdoms, your three keys to life. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is don't be so afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we are so paralyzed, you know, by the potential outcome pain or the potential loss pain, like what we're going to have to give up or, you know, us failing that we don't even try. And I think you teach this so beautifully when you say, give up the idea that you can make a mistake because the biggest mistake you can make is not trying and being afraid and fear is an illusion. It's not even real. It's in the future. It's a made up construct of the mind. And I think if I could tell anybody and look them in the eye and into the soul is like, stop being so afraid because Mm. one day your life is going to be over. And I think the worst thing that you could experience at the end of your life would be to look back and to realize I was afraid. Mm. I was afraid. I didn't try. I didn't take that chance. I didn't do it. Mm. And so that's number one. (laughs) Number two, Mm. I would say make more decisions and faster, like be decisive make more decisions and faster. Stop waffling. You're wasting so much energy trying to decide, do I do this business or that business? Do I go down this path or that path? And it's like, start making more decisions because you'll start down a path and you'll know pretty quickly if that path is for you. And then you can make a course correction and you sit here and you waste months and Mm -hmm. hours and days and years of your life trying to make a decision about Mm -hmm. something. And honestly, it doesn't even really matter. Like Mm -hmm. just make a decision. There's actually more than one right path. I think Mm. there's, there's more than one right path. And you're sitting around trying to make a decision as if that path could be the only possible right path for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Beautiful. Um, the third thing that I would say is keep your heart open. And Mm. what I mean by that is a lot of different things, but I have had more blessings, more growth, more expansion through people I've met through finances and business blessings and how I've changed through being open, open to opportunities, open to people, open to ideas, not being closed-minded or saying, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. There's no way I could do that. My go-to question is if I were to do that, how might I do it? Mm -hmm. Or if that were to work out, how might that work out? Mm -hmm. See, a closed person is just going to say, I can't, I don't, I don't know. An open person is going to say, well, if that were to work out, how might that work out? Mm -hmm. And that's how I've been able to succeed so many times when it just looks like, how did she do that? Because instead of closing myself down to the excuses or the obstacles, I'm like, well, I don't know what door could we open next? And just having a heart open to say yes, like I'm a yes to life person. I mean, you probably can see that through having six kids and let me throw three businesses in there and let's live in a bunch of different places and let's put on events as if we're even qualified because I decided I was qualified. But I just, I'm open and I get an inspiration and I get it dropped down into my heart and I'm open and obedient because on the other side of obedience is a life most people will never live. And when I say obedience, I just mean like obedient to that call on your life, obedient to that feeling in your heart. And you can't have that feeling if you're not open-hearted. So stay open. Folks, you heard it. Keep your heart open. Stay open. I told you folks, this was going to be an amazing conversation. My heart is open. I'm feeling the love. 
Um, I'm feeling my soul tingling, folks. Hopefully you've taken lots of notes. I'm looking at my notes, but this has been a beautiful conversation, Brooke. Thank you so much. Just you, you're you. right. I'm so glad our paths crossed. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just so freaking excited to come to uh, your event, Align 2024. Uh, folks, I think it's January the 19th to the 21st. It's going to be, it's going to be an amazing event there. And I'm just, I don't know. I just, I have a feeling about it. I have a, a vibe about it. I have a, an excitement about it. Um, and I can't wait. I, I, I wish it was freaking January right now. I know. I know. <laughs> Me too. So, it so is where, a room where you'll feel that. Yes. Where, where can you'll people, feel. I want people to connect with you. So where can people connect, can, connect with you and your work? Yes. But also I want you just to take a moment, share about a line and where can people yes. get tickets? Because I want everybody listening from the Soul Talk family to come to a line and join us there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Like I, when I look for people to speak, I really just drop down into my heart and I don't have any master plan or marketing plan or like, uh, I'm not taking counsel from anyone else. I just kind of drop in and I've loved your work and who you are and what you talk about for a long time. And so I feel equally just like I hit the jackpot mm -hmm. and you said yes to me. You took a yeah. risk on me, just like I've said yes to so many things and so many people. And so you can connect with me probably best at at Hemingway Half Dozen, easy to remember. I have a half dozen kids. So at Hemingway Half Dozen event page is aligneventslive.com where you can grab your tickets and just a little bit about what Align is about. It is truly, and I know this is a part of your work, a transformational event. This is not just a place that you come into and you get inspired and there's a lot of fluff and there's, you know, a lot of like, woo, woo, rah, rah, like absolutely, you're going to feel that energy. You're going to feel that excitement. You're going to feel that inspiration, but you are going to feel the depth and the realness in that room. Because when I ask somebody to come into this space, I ask them to be a part of the community and I'm asking them to be a part of the conversation and a part of the mentorship because of their depth of experience, not just because they have X amount of followers or they have this degree or that degree. I am a depth girl. I'm like, let's go there and let's go deep and let's do the work that we need to do together. And also let's have a lot of fun because uh -huh. you're going to see this. Like, I like the music. I get you up. It's like a physical experience, yeah. a music experience yeah. an energy experience where you're going to break free from the past and break free from your limitations mm -hmm. and break through to your highest and best self so that you can enter 2024, a completely transformed person. And you cannot have the things holding you back that have held you back in the past. Mm -hmm. So I'm truly excited. And I wish it was January too. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's the website again? People can get tickets. AlignEventsLive.com. And you can use code TGL100. TGL stands for the good life, which is what I'm all about living. We're living mm. the good life. So TGL100 can save you $100 as well. Awesome. Folks, you heard it. Uh, AlignEventsLive.com. Use the special code TGL100. Get your ticket now. DM me, message me. Let me know if you're going to be there. I'd love to see you there. Give you a hug in person, folks. Um, it's going to be special. Brooke, thank you so much. Big hugs. Thank love you. to you. Love to your kids. Hopefully I get to meet your kids uh, at the event. Give them a big hug uh, in thank person. Um, folks, it's been a beautiful conversation. Do me a favor. Send me an email. Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I'd love to hear your key takeaways from today's very special episode. Share this episode with, with anyone in your life that you feel needs to hear the message. 
It's been a beautiful message today on Soul Talk. And uh, make sure to get your ticket for Align 2024. We'll put all of the links in the show notes and catch you next week on Soul Talk. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.